You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Hello, Giant fans! Yeah. Does anybody out there remember Lloyd Lindsay Young, the weather guy on Channel 9 back in the 80s and 90s? No. Yeah, well he used to be, he was kind of a kook, and he used to start off his weather forecast by doing that like a long hello followed by whatever random town in new jersey or something and as you were doing the intro i just for some random reason thought of lloyd lindsey young so it's giving everybody a big hello to all you giant fans out there there you go i i I thought you were doing the um the the black sheep thing that chris farley does where he's like hello washington or whatever like (laughs) which would make sense for this episode i was giving you a lot of credit I did watch DC Cab this week to get ready for the Washington <laughs> game. So one of my favorite movies of the 80s. And um, now we've completely lost everybody out there. there. Uh, so, you know, we did our last episode from a hotel room with just, you know, a laptop and, you know, we were bare bones in it. And we didn't – might have noticed there was no intro or outro. Well, we got the, the winner's intro. I saved it. The winner's intro was for this episode. So there you go. Back in the New York group over here. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, uh, actually. You know, normally, for those who don't know, the Grump is based in Grump headquarters somewhere in the sticks in New Jersey, and I am, uh, I'm in Cranky Fan Worldwide headquarters here in uh, in the village in Manhattan. So it's kind of a treat to actually do a show together. We had a lot of bonding time this weekend between, uh, you know, our Florida jaunt, and I think we're still recovering. So if my voice doesn't sound 100. percent have been a beer or two. My lord, or a keg or two, jeez. <laughs> well, in any case, you know, we, we're allowed to party it up because the Giants got a win in a uh, in in exciting fashion, and um, you know, in, in a in a spot where we weren't really sure what to expect, and we got pretty much the best out we, outcome we could think of outside of the Saquon Barkley injury, but that is all ancient history. It does not matter anymore because Sunday at 1 o'clock at MetLife Stadium, the Washington Redskins come to town, and it's a whole new ball game. This is a division game. We blew it real hard the last division game we had. Um, but this one, there's a shot, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Trump and I both agreed walking out of there that I think the, the narrative is 100% different on this giant team and the pendulum is going to swing too far to the, you know, success. I saw some of these, you know, NFL team power rankings and the giants were shooting up. I mean, let's not get, let's not get ridiculously crazy. I mean, there is a long list of NFL quarterbacks and their first start looked really promising. And, you know, five weeks later, their jerseys are on the bar, the, um, you know, the bargain rack. So I think for a giant fan, even more so than for the organization you needed last week, you needed something to say, I'm going to hang my hat on. And even like you say, with Barkley being out for an extended period of time, the giant fan is shrugging his shoulders. If, you know, Eli was starting and we lost that game and Barkley goes down, 
I don't know what kind of catastrophic outcry there would have been after that game. But, you know, kudos to, to Daniel Jones. Let's see how he handles this week of preparation and practice. Let's see what happens now that there's film on him, for, you know, starting with the Redskins and going forward. Um, my long-term, ex, you know, expectations for the season really haven't changed much until I see this happen again and again. But it's nice to, you know, get ready for a weekend and it gets a division rival a team we hate thinking we have a chance to win the game. Yeah, so let's let's keep it with Barkley and the injury to Barkley because we had some headlines today. Russell Shepard, who was dealing with a foot injury or something, right? Um, mm-hmm. He uh, was placed on IR today, and the Giants filled that roster spot by promoting Hilleman, who uh, was a running back during the preseason. He was on the practice squad, um, and that fills that void that Barkley is going to leave for the next probably month and a half to two months. So, and, and let's be honest, Grump, I'm glad that they made a move like this because a lot of people are talking about, oh, they should trade for this guy. Oh, they should go after this person on this practice squad here and there. It's like we're not trading any draft picks for a guy who's going to be on the roster for probably four or five weeks. You know, Wayne Gallman is our starting running back for right now. Right. So it's just, you know, that's why you have a practice squad for guys you need to – you're working on developing, and if you need him in a spot thing to fill a role, he's there. So, Exactly, yeah. And you know what? Hilleman impressed. People liked him. People thought he should make the roster, the 53. You know, <laughs> not just ding-dongs like me. I mean, people. So, you know, <laughs> will he have a package of plays this Sunday? Probably not. You know, maybe a little bit here and there to maybe uh, alleviate. Wayne Gallman, but for the most part, he's going to be the solution for the weeks upcoming. And you know, Russell Shepard to IR, you know, we're expecting Cody Latimer back from his concussion, uh, which is great news. Uh, just another weapon for Daniel Jones to play with. We've got Slayton back. Didn't seem hampered by his hamstring injury. He's not on the injury report this week, as far as I'm aware. And we're expecting Golden Tate back next week. So, you know, the wide receiver group getting a little bit better better but you know my only concern here is that Russell Shepard is known for his good special teams play and this special teams group has played so far the best i can remember a special teams for the giants playing in the last 5 years so i'm curious to see the dip there other than the missed field goal in the buffalo game it's really been pretty flawless yeah i would agree with that i mean and that is surprising considering I was really concerned with all the dropped punts in the preseason and kickoffs. So let me, let me ask you something grump as we look towards life without Barkley for a while, do you, do you anticipate seeing any one of these or a combination of things, these things happening? Daniel Jones throwing more than we would anticipate a guy in his second career start more Daniel Jones running attempts than we would expect or more carries by Gallman than we would normally expect. What was the question? Which I least expect or most expect? What would you expect to ha- have happen? And it could be any one of those things or multiple things. I mean, do we expect to see us turn into much more of a, you know, Daniel Jones throwing 40 times? Um, do you think you'll see him run the ball at least five times? And, and not just scrambles as like those design, design runs? runs yeah. Or... Would you see Gallman with a you know 
15 to 20 carry game or it would be just primarily be more just kind of quick little throws and things like that? What do, what do you expect to see? Well, I would expect it to be uh, well, I don't think I, I I think that Daniel Jones is going to have more than 5 runs per game anyway. Um, I think that's really what they envision for him is somewhere between the five and ten amount of runs anyway. So I won't say I expect more runs than I expect. I expect that much. But I think it's going to be a game plan decision based on the opponent for whether or not Gallman gets more carries or Jones throws 40 times a game. They're really going to look to protect him and they're not going to look to him to win despite going strength against strength. You know what I mean? Like if – there's a team that's going to get gashed with the run. They're going to ride the run, especially with Jones' ability to move with his legs. You know, if they can bait linebackers by really running home the the dive play and then throwing an RPO just to gash them, you know, they're going to do that. But if if there's a you know a heavy pass rush, they're not going to have him dropping back and throwing forty times a game. You know, they they're not going to shy away from the pass, but. To really throw it on his shoulders, I would be surprised about that. Well, remember too, those forty passes might include twenty-five little quick little dump offs and sure. quick little screens and things too, which I think you're gonna see you're still gonna see a lot of, you know, in in the beginning of his kind of development and career. Yeah. Um, kind of rounding out the injury situation for the Giants here. Uh big problem probably. Uh, with no real solution like we have with Wayne Gallman and Hilleman, where you have guys ready to step up and are you know not going to be Barkley caliber, but are starting caliber. I mean, Wayne Gallman was the projected starter before Barkley was drafted, and nobody really had an issue with that. Um, but Tay Davis is most likely out with a concussion. I don't believe he's practiced yet this week. And Alec Ogletree looks like he's maybe 40% with the hamstring issue he has because I don't think he's practiced either. So yeah. now we're looking at um, a Ryan Connolly, Nate Stupar, and David Mayo situation at inside linebacker. I would expect there's going to be more safety looks with somebody like Peppers or Bethay coming down. I mean, they'll probably rotate. All, all three of Peppers, Bethay, and uh, Michael Thomas, I could see playing in sort of a big safety look um, where one of them is rotated down towards the line of scrimmage. And the fact that they could all rotate in that position actually adds a little bit of versatility. The only issue with that is you're adding you know, more responsibility onto a secondary that's struggled with communication thus far. Yeah, but the good thing, though, is you don't need to have as much safety help to cover a guy like Mike Evans like we did last week. They don't have that weapon that's just like going to gash a cornerback time and time again in the way they – kind of in the second half use the safety to give more help so right. the, the safety can be used more to help in this situation than you know worrying about a superstar stud well i mean the the guy that they're probably going to roll to is uh terry mclaurin the rookie out of uh, ohio state i think mm-hmm. um you know he runs really fast i don't know what his 40 time is but he's he's Impressive, And he played really well against the Bears, especially he was the go-to guy in the second half when they were actually scoring points and not looking like a bunch of chumps. But <laughs> he is hampered by a hamstring injury, and I can only assume that that will help in that situation for the deep speed. And other than that, I don't believe that they have a deep speed guy in the roster, especially with Jordan Reed with a concussion. You know, a- another, another Thursday. But this might all be a moot point if we... Once we talk about the quarterbacks and who will be throwing. 
Well, I mean, shit, that, that actually is a question in itself. Case Keenum was seen in a boot. Colt McCoy is also injured, although uh, Keenum did practice today. Um, and Dwayne Haskins has taken no first-team reps as far as I'm understanding it. So, um, well. The fact he's not taking any first-team reps is just mind-boggling. I mean, remember my kind of mantra for the last two months is, are they going to get Daniel Jones ready to play? And if they stick him in, this is something where they're just not getting ready, him ready to play at all. And he might be needed immediately because of injury. Yeah. I mean, just because, just because um, what's his name is practicing doesn't mean he's going to play 80 snaps. He might still be hurt or be ineffective. So this, you know, another reason we scratch our head why Jake Gruden is still the coach of a National Football League team. I'm not really sure what the right or wrong decision here is. You know, look, I, I, I was, I, I mean, I'm on record, right? So I, I said I probably would have taken Dwayne Haskins before Daniel Jones, based on what I know as an observer from thus far away. You know, um, but my big concern with him was that he had only played one year in college, and he really needs to sit a year and figure out the NFL game, the speed of the NFL game, etc. So. I can't, in all good conscience, bash the decision to leave him sitting there. Um, he's now he's back the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, it is mind-boggling to me because at this point, um, the ESPN beat writer for the Redskins, I think his name is John Kime. I'm going to regret it if I fuck that up, but um, has said that if there are two quarterbacks active on Sunday, it will be Keenum and it will be Haskins. So, you know. It's really setting him up for a confidence failure if Keenum gets hurt, which he's coming into the game not 100%. And Dwayne Haskins has to go in there and try and perform having not had first-team reps. Well, so, you said that Cole McCoy is hurt too. So that, that this is not their plan. This is kind of the reality they're but, dealing with. But this is the week that – you know, I, I, I don't know. No, Haskins, I mean, I think we heard after last week, will they make the switch to him? And I think that was shut down pretty quickly. But yeah. because their backup quarterback is going to be unable to play, it's like you've got to get the next backup ready to play if he has to. Not ideal situation at all, but you know, I'm not saying that he should be getting his first team reps to get him to eventually take over and start in week five. I'm talking about getting him ready to play if he's needed. Because it definitely seems like there's a a decent amount of chance he's going to have to play. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, especially since Keenum's coming in there hurt, right? And they have had. I mean, I mean, I know this is a poor example, but they had a lot of trouble handling the Bears' defensive front. Um, and now they're rolling into this game with starting center Rulier with a knee injury. And starting right guard, Brandon Sheriff, with an ankle injury, neither of which has practiced yet this week. Now, they only had a walkthrough on, on um, uh, the fuck Wednesday because they played Monday night. Um, and so today is really the first practice they missed. So there is a, there's a, I would say, a decent chance that they both play. Um, but how effective will they be? And- right, yeah. And, you know, th- being that these two guys play right against each other, that is. That is a spot of focus. I mean, that's a spot that Giants can really target and just hammer at. I mean, they're mm-hmm. in the trenches, so they take a beating anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it just I, – I, you're right. I, there's a real chance that Case Keenum starts taking a lot of hits in this game, and I'm, I'm surprised that Haskins hasn't been a little bit more prepared for this game. Yeah, I mean – 
maybe he has they're just not saying it too well that could be um nevertheless you know even if even if he had been get I mean, he would have to have been getting first team reps for a long time to really truly be prepared to play uh in my opinion you know daniel jones is a four year starter at duke i think maybe three um but you know he also worked with one of the best quarterback coaches in the in in the country you know it, he was and, it, and he's been prepped to play for a certain a certain amount of time right yeah more than we probably thought so you know, it's not the same thing as Dwayne Haskins just rolling in there. Yeah, you know, the, the same expectation cannot be had for him and Daniel Jones. Period. Right. Not in my opinion, anyway. Right. And it's also the thing. Also, you hear the media do a lot. Like, let's say, I don't know, uh, LeBron James last night scores eighty-three points against the Knicks. So the next game he plays, it's like, will LeBron James score eighty-three points tonight? It's yeah. like. That happened once in a million situation or something, or and what happened today has nothing to do with what happened last night. So just because Daniel Jones has a great first start, to think, oh well, he he could do the same thing, well theoretically, but I wouldn't count on it. You know? Yeah. So here here's some things that I'm gonna watch, and since we're talking about the offensive line uh, of of Washington and that being a weakness. Um, you know, I mentioned the injuries to the interior, but that's really the strength. And, and quite frankly, I know people are clowning on Eric Flowers being a starter there. But, I mean, if you watch the Bears game, go ahead and watch every offensive snap. And you find me a play where Eric Flowers was was fooled because you won't find one. He played well. The, the real weakness is going to be on the outside where, you know, starting left tackle Trent Williams has refused to show up due to, you know, issues he has with the organization. Um, and... Uh, you know, a lot of people have issues with that organization, so he's not alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of you fans out there, who are Redskin fans, are doing the exact same thing. <laughs> I, I can't say I blame any of them, but <laughs> but Morgan Moses on the right side has been abused by speed. And if you want, there were several plays where Case Keenum looked like he was Statue of Liberty, you know, going to throw, and the ball's just not in his hand anymore. And it was just speed <laughs> coming around the right side. And I'm interested to see how Marcus Golden, Lorenzo Carter, O'Shane Ziminis, how they fare um, against him. Ziminis, not so much with the speed, but Carter and Golden, particularly with their speed rush going around Morgan Moses. And if additional help has to be brought over there, you know, I mean, I, I guess that would be Shaheen and, and Vernon Davis. But, you know, the, the more resources they can take away the better it is for the Giants. The less dynamic their offense can be. Right. Um, I mean, that's that's one of the things I'm I'm going to key in for sure. I'm interested to see how James Betcher decides to attack that right side. Um, or, quite frankly, how he decides to attack that weak spot in the middle there with the center and right guard. And quite honestly, if we can get a pass rush going, a speed rush and everything, it's, it's going to make the secondary better. I mean, that's... I mean, that as a whole they, year they, they, thing, yeah. Yeah, they need all the help they can get, and you know, being able to dominate an offensive line that has a lot of questions and a lot of holes, that's going to help them play better and start building what might be just as needed is confidence. It could be, yeah, and or just time. You know, it might take them just several games and situations to get their shit together, and uh, you know, winning some games in the interim while they get that together, you know, will help. 
my thing, Grump, is we lived through last year how long it took the offensive line to gel. And we were, both of us were, oh, me more than you, were like, oh my God, this is the worst offensive line I've ever seen. And you were one of the guys who were like, patience to let it gel. And we saw relative gelling. And I think- well, also just, I'm mean, mixing and matching. I mean, they, yeah. they, they had thrown five new pieces out there together and they yeah. realized that some of those pieces were duds. They, they flipped them out. I mean, I expect yeah. the same thing to happen here. I mean, I also expect that at some point, Sam Beal when he is eligible to return to be part of this group. Yeah. So that's kind of the mindset I'm using right now that, yes, I know the first three games, it's a sieve back there. And I know it's ugly to watch, but I am absolutely not in that camp of you know, what the hell is this team doing? It's a disaster. The worst thing I've ever seen. I think it's, it's, I know it's a work in process and, you know, in week 15, if it's still this bad, you know, I better, we better see some adjustments this off season, but I think, you know, Betcher is a good defensive coordinator. I think it just takes time, like you said, for this, you know, the team, the defense to gel and the right pieces to be made. So, I'm not going to freak out just yet. I'm I'm not in the fire James Betcher camp. No. Um, I don't feel like we're blowing a Super Bowl chance right now either. So I, I'm giving more latitude than I probably would have. So, you know, the, the the pass rush for me. Is, is one of the keys to this game. And I, I think that the Giants passer sort of woke up against Tampa Bay. Um, Washington is in trouble with the injuries to, to Rulier and Sheriff, and there's going to be opportunity there for, for Big Dexter Lawrence and, and Dalvin Tomlinson to you know, not only annihilate any chance of a run game, but also push the pocket up the middle. But but it really is the speed of Carter and Golden and, and uh, Ziminis that can abuse you know the middling talent that Morgan Moses is at right tackle. Um, you know, Case Keenum, I, I, I can't stress this enough. He literally had the ball taken out of his hands more than once. It looked like he, he played for Tarpon, right? <laughs> exactly. Great reference, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, Go Eagles. <laughs> uh, the, the Giants, they, they have to kill all hope of a running game really early and force the game into the hands of Case Keenum. Yeah. You know, I, I don't – I would rather have Case Keenan back there. You know, even if he is throwing and completing passes, there's more chances of him screwing up than the likes of Adrian Peterson, right? Remember, in optimal conditions, it's still Case Keenum. Yeah. I mean, let's kind of keep in perspective who we're dealing with anyway. And he's not going to be in optimal conditions, so. Yeah. You know, wh- wh- one of the other matchups that I'm really interested in is – um, the the Evan Ingram and Darius Slayton situation, uh, mostly with the Washington secondary because I don't think that there's you know you have you have Josh Norman back there and, and you know Fabian Moreau, Landon Collins, uh, Rogers Cromartie is not playing. I believe he's actually out for the year on IR, whatever. But um, they have a decent group back there. Um, Josh Norman and Landon Collins are the stars, but you know Fabian Moreau and, and the and the likes, they're not really anything more than average. But none of them really has big speed, and that's what what Ingram and Slayton bring to the table. Based on your film watching, what have you seen from Landon Collins this year? You know, pe- people are hating him. He had a really big missed c- tackle against Tariq Cohen, but I mean Tariq Cohen is sort of a Madden cheat code. Um, you know, to me. <laughs> It, it, 
Landon Collins is still a very good safety. Um, I, I I love the dude. I really do. I have his jersey. I, I wanted him to remain with the Giants. I just understood the reality of what his contract would be, the state of the team, and you know what his weaknesses were. And given what that his weaknesses were, coverage, you know, and the contract that he would be seeking and would be offered from other teams, I just knew it was inevitability that that he wasn't staying here. You know. He is still a very good safety, and he bringing down into the box is a problem. You know, um, we have an advantage here with Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram can abuse him in coverage, and there's no question in my mind. You know, they're going to have to if he if he's matched up with him, they're going to have to help him. It's going to have to be a linebacker and Landon Collins covering Evan Ingram. If if in fact that's what it is, uh, but you know these little. Stunts that whatever Gallman thinks he's going to do is not going to be easy with him coming up and plugging the hole. So, you know, Landon Collins is a great safety. He's very, very good. Um, I would say arguably in the top five in the league. You would go that high with him, huh? Argue. I think I think you could make a compelling argument that he belongs up there. I, I think he's fringe there, definitely top ten. Yeah, safety. that I'll go with it, for sure. Yeah. Um, and if this team was a ten and six team, he'd still be a giant. It's very likely that he would still be a giant. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's interesting about this matchup, you know, I, obviously Darius Slayton and Evan Ingram can burn uh, this safety deep, you know, but Washington's real strength of the entire roster has to be their front seven. It's a very talented front seven there with, with Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, Montez Sweat now. Ryan Kerrigan's been a thorn in our side since, you know, ancient Egypt. Um, you know, even John Bostic, I mean, they have great talent up there in the front seven. So what they need to do, what any team would need to do to slow down a front seven like that is throw screens. Now, unfortunately, we don't have Saquon Barkley. So I, my thought is, you know, while Wayne Gallman is certainly serviceable there, he has decent hands for a running back. Um, I'm thinking that there's going to be a package of plays for Evan Ingram. Yeah, you, beat, you, behind you, you just beat me to it. Yeah. I was going to say, that's where I could see Ingram in some packages you haven't seen before with him. But uh, yeah, get the ball into your best hands. Well, I mean, even, even Slayton, I think... Uh, to a certain extent for like little wide receiver screens in like a trips formation or something like that. You know, a guy like that who can just, if you can get it behind the front seven and then, you know, the linebackers and really just let him run with some open space, you're going to get big chunks of yards. Now, I mean, that might be the game plan, whether it works or not, I I don't know. But but simply, the, the corners on this team are pretty much average, and there's no big speed guy in the secondary. So keeping the pass rush honest is vital to gashing the skins deep, and that's going to include screen game to keep them honest. So that that is probably my biggest offensive key to this game because Daniel Jones is not going to have that sort of – I know he got the shit beat out of him in Tampa, but you know this is a whole new group of guys that he's dealing with here. Um and I, I can't see the coaching staff looking at the tape and how many times Jones got hit and thinking that that was a great success offensively. Um, before we get into predictions, what do you anticipate the crowd's going to be like this weekend? I am not going to be there, unfortunately. I will be 
on the West Coast starting my potential never-ending road trip. You will be there. What do you expect the crowd to be like? I mean, it's kind of new blood now and a new sense of energy. Well, I mean, I I expect it to be loud and energetic. I I think that whether the Giants had won or not last week is irrelevant. I think that Daniel Jones' good play has uh, really invigorated this fan base. You know, even that's if where they I was, had that's lost, where I was going. That's yeah. where I was going. And given that this is a division game, it's one o'clock. It's still nice and warm out. You're going to get the rabid animals now. Um, you know, are the season ticket holders who are coming in with canes going to be there? Yes, but those season ticket holders, believe me, pessimistic though they may be, they get up and cheer when when this team is good. You know, they're just the ones that walk out at halftime when they're not. So, and sell their tickets when they're zero and three or you know, whatever. But they they are no slouches for getting up and cheering when it when it comes time. We have a very very small sample size of the season ticket holders around us who have been going to giant games since uh, you know they played at Yankee Stadium, and <laughs> they were very excited for the change to happen. And I think it's giving them some, you know, new hope for, for the future where let's face it. Some of the people in this stadium have a lot more grays than I do. And the thought is this team may never be good again in my lifetime was a possibility. So at least seeing something you can get excited about, it's going to get them happy. Week two, uh, a season ticket holder by us said it was the worst team he'd seen since team C had team. He had seen since what, 1972 or something like that. Is that what he said? Yeah, we were hearing this is the worst team since uh, Arnsbarger was the coach back in the bad old days. So, I mean, I've been going. I go back to 1979. I've I remember, you know, Ray Perkins. I remember Parcells' first year. You know, I remember Ray Hanley and how bad that was. Obviously, in the, the recent years, and uh, the difference I think between this team, the beginning of the season, and those teams were those teams were going nowhere. And spiraling down into nothing, where we understand this team is starting the rebuild. So, um, rebuilds take patience, and is not enough. To, you really have to look for things to say. Ooh, offensive line played a little better this week. When you bring in something like a Daniel Jones phenomenon, which is potential to, you know, explode out of control, and you're getting into uh, Jeremy Lin territory for you know excitement over and above what it needs to be. You know, that's good. You're getting your money's worth at least. I think that this this crowd is going to be the loudest it's been at kickoff uh, since I can remember. I mean, it's really hard to go back. I mean, the 2012 team was pretty bad. Everything was pretty bad from except for maybe 2016. I, I got the feeling that even 2016, we were winning games by one score or less. Well, I guess you can't not less than one score, but seven points or less. Right. Um. You know, on most of those games, I would say maybe that that Dallas game at the end of the season in 2016 was the loudest that I remember in recent times since the Super Bowl run. Mm-hmm. I would think that this fan base is coming in ready for, um, you know, a, a good chance at being competitive this this year. And uh, yeah, now that's the thing where I think this fan base has to be careful mm-hmm. is that the pendulum hasn't swung from this team not winning a game this year to. aspirations for something this team probably is not. I mean, Daniel Jones will provide a spark to the offense. It appears after one game, let's give him more time. You'll see 
maybe some more creative play calling and better execution on the offense. This is still the exact same defense that we've seen for the first three weeks. So thoughts of, well, maybe we can win a division or maybe we will be a wild card. Let's let the season play out a little longer. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I understand why, why um, the fans are as excited as they are, you know, for, for years we've, we've been under the heel of the rest of the NFC East. And now Daniel Jones has blown up the death star. Uh, so, you know, there's your new hope, and but but Vader is still flying around in deep space, so it, it's not out of the woods. We've got a bunch of <laughs> bunch more movies, and then some more bad movies, and then some newer good movies, I guess. But it's Disney. I don't know. And and as we're recording this on a Thursday night, um, Philly is leading with a minute fifty three left over Green Bay, and just recovered a fumble deep in Green Bay territory. So let's not count out the Eagles yet. Well, no, don't count anybody out. I mean, yeah, we're exactly. still in the well, first think, quarter of the season here. Well, that's what I'm talking about. It's just like don't overreact to, you know, and don't extrapolate what you saw on Sunday in Tampa as all of a sudden now we could be a 10-6 and six team and, you know, and don't extrapolate what Philly started off the season. I think it's safe to say that Washington is what it is and we know they're brutal. But this is, this still, is still, still a very losable game. Oh, sure. And this is still a very tough division. Yeah. So so uh, since we're on the topic of losability, give me your prediction. I don't think this team has learned how to win yet. I think, yes, last week, you know, it's fantastic that they won, but they basically lost that game. You know, they came back, they took the lead, but the defense completely yacked away, you know, a win. And they just got lucky by the grace of a bad kick to actually have a W on, on, the, on the scoreboard. Well, so- three bad kicks, really. Yeah, but I mean, at the end, when you come down to the one final sure. kick. Sure, but, you know, points on the board is points on the board. So. Yeah, I, you know, I don't want to see it. I have a feeling you're going to see some of those growing pains with Daniel Jones this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I'd like to see a repeat of what we saw this this past week. But as optimal condition without, you know, really being able to game plan for a guy like him, what, what what's going to happen, There there is tape on him now. And, you know, the offensive line last week did struggle against a really good pass rush in Tampa. Now, I don't think, you know, their, de- their defensive line is as good as Tampa and the pass rush may not be there as much. But I am still apprehensive to the outlook of this defense gelling in time for next week. I think the Giants are going to lose a close, low scoring game. I'm going to say they're going to lose. 14-10. Interesting. So I, I mirror a lot of your concerns here. Uh, you know, I think that this is a growing pains day, week, whatever, for Daniel Jones. I think the offensive line continues to get humbled, even though they've played pretty well. You know, the loss of Barkley is a huge loss. I, I can't quantify that for, for, you know, Giants fans. I mean, it really is, uh, you know, amazing to me that Daniel Jones managed to win that game last week without the help of Saquon Barkley for pretty much the entire game. Um, it's really amazing if you look back and think about what actually happened. Sure. If you, if I tell you, I wrote, I'm writing a script, and to say that you'd be like, I really don't believe that. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you would have asked me how they would fare without Saquon Barkley for that game, I'd say there's no chance. That is it. And, start, and starting that script back on draft day, and then fast forwarding to this point, it's really hard to believe. Um, 
However, I do think that this Washington secondary is bad. I think that the Giants struggle a lot. Um, and I think that the Giants defense struggles a lot. I think this is also a close game, but I think it's a little bit higher scoring. Um, I just think that they are settling for a couple more field goals. So I think the Giants actually win this one, but real close, 23-20. Hey, listen, your lips to the football god's ears. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I just think that the upward trajectory of this team is going to be very, very jagged just on a lot of yelling it has to be done and some maturing that this team – not maturing that they're immature, just kind of maturing as a unit together. To to the game, yeah. Yeah, and I want to see – I'm going to be watching on TV, so I may not have the exact insight that you're going to have being at the game. I would like to see the hint of a home field advantage and having a crowd behind them and making it difficult for whoever the quarterback is for Washington on third down and third and long in those situations. Me too. The giant MetLife Stadium has had no home field advantage ever. So I I would really like to see that not just for Sunday, but going forward. Um, Mm -hmm. We saw some fervor, actually. I would say almost more of a home field advantage in Tampa than what I can remember at MetLife. Yeah, I'll tell this little anecdote. I might have said it on Monday's show. I don't remember. But where we were sitting, after the kick, I I thought we lost because I saw all these hands go up and celebrating. Didn't realize in that first couple of seconds that those were all giant fans. I'd like to see – I'd like to see the – the passion and enthusiasm we see from away crowds at home. And this is a good week to start that. You have your Pipe Piper hopefully to take you out of the abyss in Daniel Jones. Let's see where it goes. Correct. And all, one final thing. I don't want to – well, I won't be there, so I won't hear it. But I don't want you to hear if Daniel Jones has a bad game or the defense continues to struggle, those calls for Gettleman, Betcher. Shermer to be fired. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Yeah. These things take time. So, you know, I'll be at the game. You know, whenever I'm at these games, I do my best to update Twitter as best I can with all the observations I have in real time. But it's, it is difficult because I don't have the benefit of a TV camera. I just have kind of my view and whatever the scoreboard decides to show. And, uh, you know, I don't have the benefit of sideline reporters. So I'm getting my updates the same way all of you are through Twitter. So, if you don't already, I would follow the Cranky Fan um, on Twitter for any observations live because they'll be more insightful than mine, I'm sure. But if you, you know, you know, if you just want to see me clown on Antonio Brown some more, I'm at football underscore grump. <laughs> yeah, my if you don't know me by now on Twitter, I am the Cranky Fan. Follow me at the Cranky Fan. I tend to tweet live tweet more when I'm watching games on TV than when I'm there. When I'm there, I kind of am there to watch the game, and I'm not going to be every three seconds saying, you know, second and eight, third and six, this is good. I'm usually just too wrapped up in the game. But when I'm watching on TV or I'm at a bar, I am a lot more active in real time live tweeting. So um, this weekend, there is a lot for me to be live tweeting about. I am in, I basically need to be walking around with three TVs at once all weekend because I got – we have the Giant game at 1 o'clock Eastern. I have my Rays and do or die this weekend against Toronto for making the playoffs. I have the Gators at 4 o'clock Eastern on Saturday with a warm-up before our three top 10 teams. I have New York City FC in a – they just need one point to clinch a top spot in the Eastern Conference. 
I have my wife's cow playing Arizona State in a death match between two sisters. I got East Lake football to worry about. I got everything. So I'm going to be all over the place this weekend on Twitter. So if any of those things interest you, give me a follow at the Cranky Fan. And if none of those does, quite frankly, I don't know why you're listening to this show. So at least, at least stick around for the giant takes. Yep. And as always, the podcast can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, um, probably some other ones I didn't say. iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. Yeah, I always forget that one. But Basically, yeah. you're listening to this show right now because you listen to podcasts and you probably subscribe to some. Wherever you subscribe to whatever you, else you listen to, type in Just Giants, type in The Football Grump, type in The Cranky Fan. We're going to pop up and go well, ahead and – Hit that subscribe button. It's free. Yeah, I, I guess the point I'm making is if you don't listen to it on iTunes, that's fine. But leave us a nice five-star review uh, on iTunes if you could. And, you know, if you're talking to friends about the Giants game and what, you know, you think, you can tell them all your great ideas came from this show. And right. uh, if, if they don't listen to it on any of those platforms, you can list off all the fucking platforms that we're on and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I do listen to shit <laughs> on iHeartRadio. I'll, I'll subscribe there. Thank you. Wow, the groveling section of this program was brought to you by nobody because we don't have any sponsors yet. So, hey. any of you sponsors want to hear our yeah. our dribble into all our very loyal and faithful followers who we all really love? Hey, send some money our way. We'll plug anything. You know, <laughs> shameless. Yeah. Um, but you know, this this is the year. Final. We've been doing this for a number of years now. This team really hasn't been worth a shit. It's exciting to do this show and care. Yeah, but so, we're good. You know, I'm sure the the interest in podcasts in general, Giants related, has gone up since uh, earlier this week. Yeah, I mean, I think the last time the Giants were relevant, there was a show on Telegraph, not podcasts. So it's been a long time. I don't know how that would be possible, but. Go ahead. Great. Good good joke. <laughs> usually just typing in SOS usually for a giant show. But yeah, there you okay. yeah. <laughs> There's the joke. Ouch. All right. On that, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to hook him now. Let's go Giants. Giants. Giants.